I completely understand. Uh, I'm a I'm a Tampa fan myself. Um, and do you want to take it? No, it's just some kid. Uh, it's just some kid who's constantly trying to uh, to call uh, uh, my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Hi, and welcome back to the Media Side of Things podcast. My name is Alex Forlo, and I am the host still, whether you like it or not, of this very podcast you're listening to right now. Um, oh, gee, it's been a while, hasn't it? It's definitely been a while. Uh, look, I'll be honest, it's difficult to get guests on this show. Uh, so if you've been a guest, Alyssa, Amel, and Mikey, thank you endlessly. Uh, if anybody listening eh, if anybody listening wants to recommend a guest, please get in touch. I will respond to any DM way too quickly. Um, but yeah, it's really tough. People uh, people don't read their DMs. That happens. You know what? It's, it's whatever. I'm sorry. I do have some fantastic guests lined up for the offseason if they do, you know, if they don't block me or mute me. Um, but it's about to become the busiest time of year for hockey media people, so there might be a few more missed weeks here and there, unless, of course, people respond to my DMs. Um, I'm going to try and think of some content in the meantime. Um, you know, I can't just not have an episode because I do like doing this. Ah, it doesn't matter. If you would like to be on the podcast and you work in hockey media, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to have you on. Um, anyway, news of the week some big ones. Uh, David Quinn out as the head coach of the Rangers. Uh, not what I expected, to be honest. He seemed to be a really good fit, but with the leadership change above him, I'm not surprised. You know, Chris wants his guy. I kind of wonder who that'll be. Maybe it'll be Mark Messier. I kind of hope it is. Anyway, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Gerard Gallant in New York, but um, you know, it's, it does seem like potent offense waiting to be awakened. Sounds like a nice fit, but as Elliot and Jeff said on 31 Thoughts, seems like Gallant would be a fit everywhere, to be honest. Um, the playoffs are locked in. No more upsets or dropouts. I think everyone's just fighting for, uh, you know, home ice at this point. This snuck up on me. I mentioned it in the podcast, but I lost track of time in the season. And I feel like we're not close to the playoffs. Maybe that's a marketing issue from the NHL, but that's not news, I guess. Uh, <laughs> there will be a lot of coaching moves this offseason. Very few spots are actually safe. That includes playoff teams. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of playoff coaches moving. Uh, but hey, Seattle's officially a team. They just signed their first player officially. Um, so congratulations to Seattle. Uh, anyway, I didn't even mention who I have on today. James Sabolski, the voice of uh, NHL play-by-play at this point. He is amazing. He was so kind. He gave me more than enough of his time. Um, he said, I'll come on for half an hour. I had him on for 45 minutes. So thank you, James. Uh, he was amazing. It's really interesting to see the process and uh, something. Uh, you know, you'll have to wait for it in the, the the podcast, but I'm excited to see the shortlist. If that ever comes out, I am excited to see the shortlist. I guess you'll have to listen to hear the end of that. Um, anyway, here's the episode. Bloody guy, give it a listen. Have, have a good time. Goodness gracious. Oh, my gosh. I'm back. First off, thank you so much for coming on, James. I know you know and I know, but uh, for listeners at home, this has been a process and a half trying to get you on working through time zones and work schedules and busy lives. But thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on today. Um, It's all happening. It's all happening. Connecting around. Just think, was this possible for us without paying some obscene amount of money for a long distance bill if we were to try to do this, say, 20 years ago? 
thank you, Zoom. Zoom is saving me so much money. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. And suddenly making people like us accessible and maybe not everybody wants to be. (laughs) That's right. Now you're accessible and I will make you open to the world. You don't have a... There we go. There we go. I am now global. I am now... I'm now big at the land down under. You better what? run. You better take cover. Oh, goodness. Um, I will also preface this by saying uh, I'm going to be thinking about the NHL video games the whole time. Um, that will right. come up soon. I will, I'll bring up questions about that. But if I pause for too long, it's because I'm waiting for Ray to chime in with a remark about how he had 408 goals or he was never yes. out at the end of the game to protect the lead. <laughs> so <laughs> It does come up on social media from time to time. Really? I mean, I can only imagine. It's uh it's 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 only a bit of a big deal. <laughs> um well, uh, I'll I'll start off uh as as we normally do. How did you get started in the media side of things, which is the name of the podcast? What was what was the journey like for you? Where did that where did that start? Uh for me, it was uh you know, I, I think I recognized probably pretty young that I was a lousy athlete but loved sports. And, uh, yeah, and just kind of, and just kind of chase from there. I was, um, you know, I think I always had a passion. My, my dad was a big sports fan and, um, played, you know, a lot of minor hockey as a kid and played some baseball and played some soccer and, uh, you know, pick up basketball in the neighborhood and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, I think I, I loved the idea of, I think I knew at a young age, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a sportscaster or I wanted to be a, you know, I wanted to be an on-air sports, you know, broadcaster, reporter, journalist, uh, you know, talking head, whatever that would look like, but play-by-play guy. Um, and, uh, I, you know, always had dreams of being kind of, you know, a play-by-play announcer. And, um, yeah, and just ultimately chased it. Uh, went to, you know, in high school, I, we had co-op work placements where you get two credits for in high school if you, you know, kind of worked somewhere, right? So so for me, I, I had, was volunteering at a community television station, um, you know, something similar to what Wayne's World, you know, was all about essentially. And, you know, I, uh, I got an opportunity to be on the air a few times when I was about 17. I, I did play-by-play for a pre-Olympic boxing tournament, which was kind of crazy. And, wow. and then just any opportunity I had a chance to perform, I, I took it. Uh, and I say perform or just get my reps or get experience. I, I did play-by-play for, you know, minor hockey games, ringette. Um, I did karate tournaments. I did touch football tournaments. I basketball games and university university football games uh you know just any opportunity i hosted uh you know some i i hosted a segment on a kid's uh science show i i I don't think i've ever seen an episode but maybe there's still some form of evidence out there in the universe um trivia shows you name it just anything to get that experience and then in college, I, I took a radio broadcasting program, and I thought I always wanted to do television, but at the same time, I, I did a lot of, uh, uh, I was working in, you know, in going to school in radio and continue to volunteer in community television, and um, so along the way, and then got a radio job, and um, it worked at a classic rock station, uh, read news on the weekends, did a couple of overnight rock shows that were absolutely tragic, and um, 
you know, and just continue to kind of find my way. And, and then eventually I got a job as a, uh, the host of a Ottawa Senators NHL magazine type show locally at the same community television station. But it also aired on, on kind of the big channel in Ottawa where I grew up and in the nation's capital in Canada. And so it was kind of the uh, CJOH, it was Channel 7, and, and that was kind of the big television station locally. And, and that would run on Sunday morning. So it kind of gave me a bit of a platform, but at the same time, it gave me a pretty good audition tape where I did, you know, I kind of hosted, it was kind of a studio style desk show. I did highlights. I kind of threw to interviews. I did some interviews. So I had that demo reel and eventually, um, you know, sent it to, uh, you know, my first real big break, I'd say that, well, I guess over time the, the Senator show was probably my first big break. I wasn't making any money for it, but it was, um, but that was a good launching pad that paved the way for me to land a job at a place called Headline Sports, which eventually became The Score, which was a national television network. Uh, it was kind of a small guy compared to TSN and Sportsnet uh, in this country. And uh, yeah, I worked there for eight years between Toronto and Vancouver. And then I was lucky enough to get the call from TSN and they gave me an opportunity and a, and a huge platform for several years and then decided to move back to the West Coast where uh, I worked at Sportsnet and uh, been here for the last eight years. And uh, somewhere along the line, I was able to fool the right people at, uh, at a video game establishment and now do play-by-play -play for the NHL franchise from EA Sports. I mean, uh, that's a, it's a very impressive journey. Like... Just, you know, starting from the smallest roots and then, you know, the, the only video game for the sport that we like. And also, like, for a hockey podcast, all, all my guests seem to talk about other sports that they're involved with. You, you said ringette and karate. Amal Delich talked about curling and stuff. I, I think we're going to start breaching into weird sports, which I'm excited about. To be well, it's 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 funny. I mean, some along the journey, you know, you, you work with your you work with your analyst, and in community television, you know, you kind of get what you pay for sometimes, right? You know, 100%. so you're not, and, and people aren't getting paid for this, so it's like, who wants to sit down? And you know, I remember doing, I I can't remember the individual's name, but you know, I think the one thing that most karate instructors based on my experience and maybe this is a very big generalization but i feel like every karate or martial arts instructor loves to big up themselves and i feel like especially in those days you know when i was a kid i did karate for a few months and i hated it because the instructor was just such a jerk <laughs> and uh you know and then years later i'm working with this guy you know on this broadcast and honestly like i'd listen to this guy talk and, and he basically sounded like this guy would have kicked Bruce Lee's ass, right? You know, just they just pump their own tires. Yes, I'm a black, you know, I'm a seventh degree black belt. And, uh, you know, and I feel like the best ones are generally the quiet and the humble ones, right? But, you know, this guy loved to pump his tires. I I, I called some touch football games with a with one guy who was, it was the first game early in the morning. And he was, I think he was still drunk from the night before or just came and, or just woke up and got hammered at an early hour. But he was pretty, he was pretty crazy. Uh, just talking shit on the air. 
Um, and you know, there's some great ones, you know, there's some fun people you work with along the way too. But I remember one guy, it was halftime and the guy just said, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to go sit with my buddies in the crowd. I'll see you later. I mean, what do you say, right? You're well, you, you kind of agreed to do this, but you know, it's not like you're getting any money out of it. So, I mean, there's no, in theory, there's no obligation. You volunteered and gave what 90 minutes of your time already. And you know, the guy just got up and left and it's like, Oh, okay. Well, that was that. So uh, yeah, it, it, there are definitely some funny, unique experiences along the way. And, and, you know, you turn on a microphone and you're working with somebody you've never worked with before and somebody who quite frankly has probably never done anything you know, from a broadcasting standpoint before, uh, it's like Forrest Gump used to say, life's like a box of chocolates, right? You never know what you're going to get. And apparently sometimes the chocolates get up and walk away, which is... Yeah, which is or, 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 sure. or in some case, there's booze in the chocolates. <laughs> I think people pay extra for those chocolates, though, so... Well, yeah, or, or sometimes they're just the leftovers from Christmas. Who knows? Who knows? Chocolates are so versatile these days. Um, a, a lot of people, as what I've noticed, tend to have like a favorite broadcaster growing up. Um, you know, someone who is, just sort of awoken something in them and showed them the game in a different way than how they'd seen it before. Do you have one? Do you have someone like that? You know, there's a lot of different names that come to mind. Um, you know, I, I, I really liked Bob Costas when I was younger. Um, I was a huge fan of, of Ron McLean. I, I still am too. I mean, Ron's been, you know, the fixture of hockey night in Canada here in this country for so long, you know, Bob Costas was just, you know, kind of the, the host on NBC for what it feels like the last 40 years. Um, you know, I loved Vin Scully, you know, he used to call it the game of the week, uh, you know, for baseball and, uh, just loved listening to him. And, and then there was an element of, we used to get Expos games when the Montreal Expos still had a franchise, you know, we'd get those games on the radio. We'd actually get Blue Jays and Expos games in, in the market that I, uh, that I grew up in. But, you know, I was, I was probably primarily an Expo guy because I was a huge fan of Gary Carter, who was one of the faces of the Expos at that time. And, um, you know, Dave Van Horn and Duke Snyder, and then eventually it became Ken Singleton. But, you know, I loved listening to Dave Van Horn. I mean, I just, just his voice was so good. And, uh, you know, he was such a, an important voice to listen to for me. Um, you know, those are a few names that come out and, and then, you know, I'm also, you know, an old wrestling nerd at heart. So I loved Gorilla Monsoon and, uh, well, you stop, come on, give me a break. And so, I think there's probably a little bit of a wrestling announcer in me uh, that's just waiting to sneak out every once in a while. It does seem like there's a lot of crossover between hockey and wrestling. I remember seeing a lot of the stuff with Edge earlier in the year and like, you know, Jeff Merrick talks pretty, uh, pretty nonstop about wrestling every time he gets the chance. So, Oh yeah. Jeff, and Jeff was a huge, like Jeff Merrick was before he became kind of one of the authoritative voices in the national hockey league in recent years. Now, Jeff was a, a wrestling insider. Like he knew all the dirt behind the scenes. You know, he kind of, he kind of broke the news. He was, he was a, a wrestling insider long before a lot of guys are kind of the prominent voices now. Like, uh, you know, Jeff was, Jeff was plugged in. Jeff, uh, he's, he seems to know he's an insider on everything. I wouldn't be surprised if he, he comes up to me and tells me I'm out of milk and I had no idea. <laughs> 
I got a, I got a text from your tomato sauce this week, so you know I know what it is. There you go. Uh, um, we, we call it tomato. Oh, tomato! Of course, of course. So you would. I say oh. tomato. You say tomato. 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 Anyway. Look at us go. <laughs> um, I mean, e- even taking a step back from from like the media side of things as a whole, hockey or like just hockey has tends to have a catalyst event. Do you have that love for hockey catalyst? Do I have that love for hockey? Like the catalyst, like the, something that started it all for you. Do you have that one memory of, of, of you know, watching a game or being oh, at a game? Oh, yeah. You know, I'll tell you, you know, for me, it's it's funny. My dad was a huge Bruins fan. I, I guess I got to give my dad a lot of credit for it. Um, but at the same time, you know, my dad played in the police league when I was really young. My dad was a, a police officer for years. But the police league was essentially just a – a poor man's version of slap shot. If you, the old time hockey movie. And um, I mean, it was barbaric, you know, and the other thing was the, the, the plexiglass that separated the fans from the games, they were really low. So pucks were always whistling into the crowd. People, fans got hit with pucks all the time, but cops fought each other an insane amount, just ridiculous. Cops would take their frustrations out on one another and it was bananas because there was always blood and guys getting elbowed and punched and whacked and hacked. It was hockey in the seventies. Right. And so, you know, my dad wanted me to play hockey at a young age. And I was like, no way. I'm not playing. Like, look at this stuff. People are getting killed out there. No way. And, um, and then when I was about five, um, my dad was a Bruins fan. Um, I didn't, I didn't love the Bruins, but I knew I hated the Habs as a kid because <laughs> dad hated the Habs. It was just something about not liking the Montreal Canadiens. And I, for Christmas, uh, when I was about five, I'm going to say, my aunt had just moved to Edmonton and it was their first year in the NHL. And she sent me an Edmonton Oilers toque, scarf, and mittens. And uh, she sent those to me and I just said to myself, you know what, I gotta be an Oilers fan. And they just so happened to have this guy named Wayne Gretzky on the team. And Wayne just made the game beautiful for me. It was so cool. You know, he'd get behind the net and, you know, in his office as they call it. And, you know, the wraparound goals and, just, I mean, the points he would put up, that to me was like, okay, this is hockey. This is what I love. And uh, and the skill and the beauty of it. And, you know, I started to play as, as a kid as, uh, you know, I, and um, yeah, that's, you know, I so, I mean, in a nutshell, you know, my dad obviously introduced me to the game, but, you know, Wayne Gretzky made me fall in love with it. I think Wayne Gretzky did that for a lot of people. Actually, on on Wayne, and uh, I remember reading something a while ago where, pardon me, in fantasy leagues, they'd split Wayne into Wayne's goals and Wayne's assists. Um, I, I think it was the other day that I saw uh, Connor McDavid has more assists than anyone else that isn't Leon Dreisaitl has points. Um, I assume it's probably different because you're up in Canada, and so I can only imagine the hype is much more, but... Connor is doing something very, very fucking incredible. 
what do you think his ceiling is? Because I don't think he's at the top, but what do you think his his absolute peak is? Because I think if he retired today, he would be in the Hall of Fame. Um, like, just like era changing wise, how close does he get to being the best ever? Well, that's a good question. I, I look, I don't think anybody's catching Wayne Gretzky's point total, right? Like, it's just it's just not happening. Um, not at all. You know, it just look just the longevity the health that you need um you know i mean think about what Connor mcdavid just did and we're going bananas over him averaging two points per game where you know over the course of the season which is incredibly you know productive but you know what does that work out to over the course of an 82 game season you know that's 164 points right I mean, Gretzky put up 215 one year, right? Like that's, you know, that's the crazy thing where, um, you know, do, what do I think? But what I will say is Connor McDavid is, it gets thrown around way too much this phrase, but he is legitimately a generational talent. He is special. You know, he's, he's got the skill, he's got the determination, the tenacity uh, and the speed. And, you know, I, I think what's unfortunate is he doesn't have enough of a roster to compliment him. But what's impressive that he's done to me, the fact that he's averaging two points a game, you know, hitting 100 points, you know, in, in a 56-game season. And he's doing it at a time where goaltending's never been better, right? And I think that is a major difference from what, you know, what Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux did, um, you know, in the 1980s and even into the 90s, you know, you get into the 90s and you started seeing goaltenders just start bulking up and, and wearing just, you know, like, you know, looking like uh, Voltron or Goddarak as, uh, you know, some of these uh, Japanime uh, sort of cartoon character robots from another lifetime ago. But goaltending is now the advancement of goaltending over the last quarter century or the last 20 years, especially that's where look at the save percentages from the 1980s and look at the save percentages now. Right. I mean, you know, an 880 save percentage in the 1980s, you were pretty good. Now, if you're anything, you know, if you're, if you're under nine, you know, people are wondering what are you doing in the national hockey league? Right. And so to me, what Connor McDavid has done at a time where goaltending has never been better and he's putting up that sort of production, uh, it is truly remarkable. And, you know, at some point he's going to win a Stanley Cup. He's just the great ones always do. So. And, and, when, and when I say great ones, like this guy is in, he's in that elite company, right? I mean, you know, Bobby Orr, Rocket Richard, you know, Gordie Howe, you know, Gretzky, Mario, Sidney Crosby, at some point, Connor McDavid will find a way to win. You know, it may not necessarily be with Edmonton, but, you know, the reality is, is it's a salary cap era and, you know, he wants full dollars, right? You know, he wants, he wants, you know, he's, he's making more money than anybody else in the National Hockey League right now. And he deserves it, right? I mean, he's, you could actually make a case that he's underpaid, but, um, you know, but then it also impacts how you assemble a roster around him. 
you know, look at look at the dollars that Sidney Crosby makes and look at the money he's made for a long time. Now, I think there was an expectation that the cap probably would have continued to climb here these last few years had there not been a COVID impact. But, um, you know, it impacts what the team can do. Right. And, um, you know, they've got a decent supporting cast around. But, you know, the Oilers are very top heavy with their best guys and Drysaddle and McDavid. I mean, those two guys account for a quarter of their salary cap, and that's two players, right? Of an $80 million salary cap, there's McDavid and Drysaddle making 20 of it. It's, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, the world is so different, even just from when like Sid signed his contract and, you know, team friendly is, is, is generous there. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's interesting to see just what, what, uh, Connor's ceiling might be because I think it's 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 special um and I think even special is putting it lightly um I mean you mentioned the Stanley Cup the playoffs are upon us uh I they snuck up on me 100% I I, I lost track (laughs) of time it still feels like there's 30 games left it's almost like it's a shortened season um but you know this season has it's 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 different to every other season it's got a new set of challenges um but Firstly, who's your pick for the cup this year? Um, but secondly, because it's been a kind of a wacky season, is picking a series winner going to be easier or harder? Like, should we expect more upsets or do you think it'll be similar to last year where, you know, the best four teams made it to the conference finals? Uh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I would say at this point, look, if, if I if you got to nail me down to one team, I'll, I'll roll. I'll roll with. Um, I'll roll with the Avs. Uh, sorry, not the Avs, but Vegas Golden Knights. I, I really like Colorado, but I'm going to take Vegas to win it. It was the team I went with at the beginning of the season that I thought Vegas would win it, um, and I'll stick with it. Uh, you know, they kind of check all the boxes. Uh, I like. You know, I think Tampa's going to be a tough out still. They still have a pretty deep roster. The Leafs have a ton of firepower. But, you know, trying to figure out the North Division, um, I I think the Canadian Division, I, the division was so soft or, or much softer than I think people realized. Um, you know, there was a sense that you, outside of Ottawa, you could make a case at the beginning of the year that, you know, you know, I think five of the seven teams you could make a case for from a Stanley Cup contention standpoint. Absolutely. Um, you know, now I think I think people would chuckle over the idea of the Habs, but you know, obviously McDavid could certainly get hot and you know take the Oilers, you know, on a run. I think the Jets have great goaltending. They got a ton of firepower up front, so you know that's obviously a team to keep an eye on. I mean, goal scoring and goaltending, you know, check check, right? Um, but the Leafs, obviously, they've got so much offense. Uh, I think goaltending is a huge question mark for them. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what, they're, the two veteran teams, um, you know, even three, uh, you know, Boston, Washington, and Pittsburgh, don't sleep on Sidney Crosby. You know, I love what Pittsburgh's done these last, what, two and a half months. You know, they have shown people that they've still got, you know, this is probably the last run that this core is going to get together. Um, you know, I think it's fair to say that Evgeny Malkin, unless he's going to take a massive pay cut here, is probably not going to be long here for this, uh, you know, for the city of Pittsburgh. But, you know, you got Sidney Crosby, who's, what, Sid's now 33. He'll be 34 this summer. 
Um, you know, is this, you know, their last shot is the core that we've known the Pittsburgh Penguins with Latang and Malkin um, and Crosby. And now you've added, you know, Jeff Carter, who at 35 seems to be, you know, fitting in quite nicely as well. Uh, I like the Penguins. You know, I, I think the Penguins, uh, they look dangerous. I, I've been a big fan of the Caps for a long time, and they kind of finally figured out how to win. Um, and Boston, man, they've got, a, they've got a team of, you know, you've still got guys who, who won that cup, um, you know, 10 years ago, but there's a bunch of young guys as well. Um, and you've got a core that went to the cup, what, just two years ago, right? So, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that division, whoever survives that division, I'd be curious if anybody's got anything left, um, you know, with, with respect to, you know, trying to sneak out of, um, you know, trying to sneak out of the, uh, the East. Um, but, you know, I really like Pittsburgh. I really like Washington and Boston. Um, obviously, the Islanders were good in that division as well. Uh, you know, you look at the skill and the talent with the Central, with Carolina, Florida, Tampa, Nashville. Um, you know, I, to me, I, I'd still like Tampa to find a way to get out of there. I think Carolina is obviously there's, they're so good, but I, I think the lightning, just what they've got on the back end, what they've got in goal. And, uh, obviously it's still a ton of offense up front. I think the lightning are still the team to beat there. Uh, but give me Vegas, give me Vegas to, I think that, I think that's the team. I completely understand. Uh, I'm a I'm a Tampa fan myself. Um, and ooh, do you want to take it? No, it's just some kid. Uh, it's just some kid who's constantly trying to uh, to call uh, uh, my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I I, th- I still think it's impressive that Tampa, you know, finished third in, in a strong division uh, without you know essentially two of their best players. Um, one of them with without him for the whole time. Anyway, moving on. Um, NHL 21. A passing of the mantle from the ever infamous Doc Emmerich. But you come in and, dare I say, steal the show. Uh, you know, I, I, this year the game had a new life. There's new banter. And I do attribute a lot of that freshness to the energy you bring to the game. So thank you for that. Um, and I'm sure it's been asked to death. But how did that process go down? How are you contacted and, and, and asked hey be the voice of our game so about three years ago they were uh, looking for um I, I got word that they were looking for a new broadcast team and and then you know it's a circle of life i think in uh, especially in the nhl franchise for over the years um you know the the, the individuals that they've had that have done it and uh, I got word that uh, they were looking for a new broadcast team and um, was able to kind of throw my name into the hat and, uh, you know, went in for an audition on a day that I was actually going on vacation with the family to Hawaii. And uh, so I got off my radio show that morning, drove over to the studios and, you know, went in just kind of called some play-by-play blind off the uh, off the tv monitors that they had in the studios at electronic arts and uh kind of walked out of there going you know i don't know what the hell just happened but i, I think it went pretty well i i, I know i had kind of seen kind of the crew behind the scenes laugh a bit and chuckle and the producers all seemed like really nice guys and i walked out of there thinking 
you know, I don't know what happened, but man, it just seemed like a really fun team and group of people. Um, and, and that and left it at that. And, you know, I, I kind of moved on and, uh, didn't hear anything, you know, I obviously raced to the airport to go hop on a plane with the kids and, um, I remember planes. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, planes. Oh, what a novel <laughs> concept. Um, and, and so I hadn't had, didn't hear anything. And to be honest with you, I mean, I kind of forgot about, uh, kind of forgot about it for a little bit because I mean, you're on vacation and then you just kind of get back into the routine and, and, um, you know, I got an email about a month later and they said, Hey, look, um, you know, we've kind of whittled down our short list and you know, you're part of it. And, uh, we expect to have a decision made in the next week to 10 days. And I was, uh, kind of like, wow. All right. You know, still alive, you know, still at the dance. All right. And kind of excited. And then it was quiet for another month. And so after a few weeks, I was, ah, well, I guess it was nice to be considered. That's still pretty cool. I'm glad I did it and, you know, move on. And uh, still not. And then, and then a month later, I get another email saying, hey, we'd like to uh, schedule a chemistry test with you and another individual. And so I, you know, go back to the studios and um, it's with none other than Ray Ferraro. And so, you know, Ray and I had known each other from years past and we were both working at TSN together and just kind of like, oh man, I, I think I'm pretty sure that they love you, Ray. And Ray was kind of like, well, you know, for, you know, whatever you did last time, just keep doing what you're doing. Cause it sounds like they were big fans of yours. I was like, wow, okay, cool. Uh, we did that. And then didn't hear anything for another month. Uh, it was quiet again. And uh, they finally uh, messaged me a third time. They said, can you come in for another audition? And now I'm like, oh my God, you know, now I really want this, right? And um, they, and they kind of explained to me, just look, I mean, you are unconventional as a play-by-play -play guy based on a global audience where you know, in years past, it's been Jim Hewson, who was the voice of hockey night in Canada. It was Gary Thorne, who was the voice of hockey for ESPN for so many years in America. Uh, then Doc Emmerich in recent years. And Doc's been essentially the voice of hockey in America for the last, what, 40 years. And so with all of this kind of going on, I, um, you know, they were like, look, we just, we got to sell it to an audience that doesn't really know who you are as a play-by-play -play guy. So we just want to try a couple things and I, I, I did it and uh, they were like, great, we got what we need and, you know, we'll let you know in about a week or so. And honestly, that had to be the longest fucking week in my life. And um, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was pretty annoying. Um, so uh, it was every email, every text, every phone call, it just drove me nuts thinking is this them oh my gosh is this is it you know and uh oh my god i am sorry You're a popular man james goodness, goodness. Oh, just a second. no but long story short it felt like the longest week of my life i was going out of my mind for every text every email every phone call i thought oh my gosh is this it and and true to their word they totally waited like a full week uh, before I finally got a call on a Friday morning and uh, they uh, said we'd like for you to be the voice of uh, at the time NHL 20 and 
you know, I've, I've been pretty fortunate to do some pretty cool things in my broadcast career. I've, I've won awards. Uh, I've covered three different Olympics, including one that was here in our country, here in Canada, um, in the city I, I live in now. And, um, you know, I've covered Stanley Cups. I've covered the World Series, NBA Finals, you know, a lot of great cups, which is, you know, football championship here in this country. Um, you know, traveled to lots of cool places around the world to see the world juniors. I've done uh, about a half dozen of those, but to get the call to find out that I was going to be the voice of a video game that I grew up playing, um, without question, one of the coolest, uh, phone calls I have ever had in my life. That's it's it's pretty incredible. You mentioned a short list in there. Um, I'm now curious who else was on the list. Like, I can't imagine there's so many different outcomes that could have come from this. I'm glad it was you. Uh, I, I love your play-by-plays, um, but uh, it's it's interesting to see how many different paths that that future could have taken. Um, yeah. Oh man, what a what a process. Like, I I'm I'm exactly the same with waiting for for certain texts and 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 you know usually it's. Uh, an email I'm waiting for, and uh, I get a lot of spam emails, so I'm usually let down by a great offer this week at Ray-Bans. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, or, you know, uh, here's an $11 million business deal that we have for you, uh, so. I've been waiting um, for that one. You're waiting for that one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I click onto that one, though. I'm always unsure. Uh, no, it was, honestly... I, it is, it has been very fascinating. Uh, the process, I'm not entirely sure who was all in, but I think there were, uh, they brought in, I think from what I understand, they brought in several, you know, NHL play-by-play guys, um, from, you know, different parts and tried them out. And so, I mean, I guess I, I guess I fooled the right people, but yeah, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful they chose me. So I'll take that as a win. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I can only imagine that there was, there was some sort of pressure with, you know, coming in and, and, and switching things up. You mentioned it was, you know, the circle of life, but I think in hockey in particular, people are pretty reluctant to, to change a lot of the time. Um, was there a certain pressure that came with that passing of the reins? You know, I would say this, um, I think there was definitely a concern, uh, I don't want to speak for the producers, but I think there was definitely a concern that they were going with an unconventional or a bit of an unknown as a play-by-play guy compared to the names that they had had doing it prior to me. And so that was something to be mindful of. And, you know, I kind of looked at it this way that, you know, I'll, I'll, I can deal with the hate on social media. I've kind of taken, you know, I mean, without the haters, there would be no social media. So I think there was kind of a warning that, Hey, look, you know, you might have to prepare yourself for some backlash here because, you know, people don't know who you are conventionally. And, um, so I, uh, I kind of took a deep breath and, you know, was waiting for once the announcement was out there and what was going to happen. And, you know, for me, 
the word, uh, you know, once the word kind of got out, I think there were some people that were kind of, who is this guy? But I think the gaming community for the most part understood what we were doing. And I think the one thing that they, they liked was we offered them a lot of commentary, you know, in year one between Ray and I combined, I mean, I'm contracted to do about 250 to 300 hours a year. And, you know, I think Ray and I, you know, I'm sure Ray's probably in a similar boat. So when you factor that in, you know, I'd say probably between the two of us in studio together and separately, you know, if I could guess, there's probably about 350 hours of original commentary in that first year in NHL 20. You know, then you add, I mean, you know, it was almost a full 300 hours for getting ready for NHL 21 would be a pro mode. So that kind of adds another layer, right? So, you know, between Ray and I, there's well over 600 hours of commentary in the first two years that we've been doing this game. So I I would say that you're not going to please everybody and, you know, some people are just going to hate and, you know, trying to go on after an icon like doc is, you know, never an easy feat, but I would say, honestly, I, I, and I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, but I would say the positivity to negativity feedback on social media from what I've experienced has been overwhelming that I'd say probably at least 80% or 85% has probably been people messaging me just to man, love you in the game and uh you know it's been a great way for a whole new audience to discover just how annoying i can be <laughs> i'm sure i can speak for everyone when i say it's not annoying it's very fun um I, I i agree i love you in the game as well um you mentioned be a pro mode um and this one's a, just a just a personal gripe that i hope finds its way to the ei ea higher ups uh alex ovechkin this is a cover af- co- uh, cover athlete this year and my name is alex and I go into the game expecting there to be a name option for at least Alex, because I wouldn't expect my weird Italian niche last name to be in the game. But I was hoping for an Alex. I was disappointed, so please pass on my disappointment. There's no question here. I'm just complaining, which is There's pretty no Alex for a podcast. There's, There's no Alex in there. Huh. There's Al, um, which is what I've been using. Um, so I've heard you say, Al, comes up the wing with the puck, or whatever. Um, huh. But no Alex. And it has been a gripe of mine in every NHL game. Um, so, you know, pass that on, James, if you don't mind. I will, I, will, <laughs> I, will, I will pass it on to people above my pay grade. Fantastic. Um, well, uh, we'll sort of come to the end. I'm sorry I've taken up more of your time than, than you agreed to come on for. Um, but there is a question I ask every time I have a guest on, and it's where do you see yourself in five years? Um, you know, you, maybe it's more NHL games, but what's what? At least, what do you have have planned, or what do you think is is next for you? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, if somebody would have asked me, you know, three and a half years ago, uh, you know, would you see yourself being the voice of uh, the NHL video game franchise? I would have said you're crazy. Uh, I would have taken it, <laughs> but I I wouldn't have uh, ever expected that. And, uh, um, I don't know. It's hard to predict, hopefully doing something I love, hopefully something I'm passionate about, uh, hopefully something that I can maintain, uh, 
you know, hanging out with uh, my kids and, and, you know, something that has that flexibility, but um, just hopefully something I'm, I'm passionate about. And, you know, because I think when you, I've been very fortunate for the last 25 years to be doing what I'm doing. And, you know, I've reinvented myself multiple times, whether it was, you know, a, a, a sports uh, reading news that I never thought I'd see the day where I'd be a news, a newscaster. And, and then to, you know, to be uh, a sports reporter and then ultimately a sports anchor and then a bureau reporter for, for years and living in Vancouver and then, you know, back in Toronto and then, you know, covering the Olympics and, you know, winning an award for, you know, telling a story about Terry Fox, one of the greatest Canadians, maybe the greatest Canadian ever. And, um, you know, just life takes you in different directions. And um, I think I've, I've always been adaptable. And I think to be adaptable, it allows you that flexibility to kind of go with the flow and, and see where life will take you. But yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I it's hard to predict. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know what, I'll say this, hopefully on the right side of the flowers in five years. Well, is, that a low, is, that, is that a low bar? No, you know what? It's if it's true, it's the answer I'm looking for. So, yeah. Um, yeah look, thank you, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I've taken up more than enough of your time. Um, thank you for, yeah, you know, sharing sharing your journey with us. And um, yeah, I I, uh, I hope you have a great rest of your week. Uh, thanks for sharing your afternoon with me. Thank you, Alex. Stay safe out there, and uh, you know, enjoy those plane rides. Oh, I'm loving them. I'm loving them. I'm going to catch another one just to come back to back home on a plane. God, I love planes. <laughs> Take care. Thank you very much for having me. Nice talking to you. Thank you. Take care, Alec. You too. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you so much, James. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Uh, yeah, he, he said he would come on for 30 minutes. He did spend about 45 minutes here. But I'm eternally grateful. He was super duper nice. So many interesting tidbits about his journey and uh, like such great insight. And he is, he's a storyteller and he's fantastic at what he does. And yeah, thank you for coming on. Anyway, uh, if you liked this episode, you there listening to this podcast, if you liked it, why not give us a rating? Hopefully five stars. Uh, that would be more appreciated than anything. Um, also, uh, give us a follow. Us, me. Give me a follow on Twitter at MediasidePod or at Alex Furlow, A-L-E-X-F-U-R-O-L-O. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed. Come back next week when hopefully I have another episode. Um, and have a good rest of your day. Oh, I have an outro. Happy scrolling.